My name is Kerry Hayes, Deputy Chief of Staff at the City of Chattanooga, and you're listening to The Scanner, a podcast from Mayor Andy Burke's Council Against Hate and the American Diversity Report. Bill Peduto is a native of Pittsburgh and became that city's 60th mayor after serving several terms on its city council. On October 27, 2018, his city was the site of the most lethal anti-Semitic attack in American history when a gunman opened fire in the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh's historic Squirrel Hill neighborhood. Eleven individuals were killed and seven more, including the attacker, were injured. The attacker had a history of posting hateful comments about Jews and immigrants to social media and continued to make anti-Semitic claims after he was apprehended by Pittsburgh police. One year later, the attacker faces 63 separate criminal counts and prosecutors are seeking the death penalty for him. His request that he be allowed to serve a life term in prison was rejected, and at this point it is believed that he will stand trial in September 2020, shortly before the next presidential election. I was interested in speaking with Mayor Peduto not about the national politics of this incident, but about the local response and his leadership during and since the attack. In the course of our conversation, we talked about his reasons for hope, opportunities for progress, and how we can all follow in the example of another one of Pittsburgh's most famous residents. Mayor Bill Peduto, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Would you tell me, for those of us uh, like myself who haven't had the, the pleasure of visiting Pittsburgh, tell me a little bit about the Squirrel Hill neighborhood. Well, I live right down the street, so I can tell you quite a bit. It's um, the most diverse neighborhood in all of western Pennsylvania. Um, it is uh, considered the home of the Jewish community of Pittsburgh, and all different parts of uh, Judaism are represented in just a a couple square miles, uh, but it also has a large Asian population, a Muslim community, Christian community, and everyone sort of works around uh, the idea that the neighborhood itself is its own sort of ecosystem within Pittsburgh. Um, historically, the, the Squirrel Hill community has been very active in democratic politics, uh, it has been the home of the progressive movement of southwestern Pennsylvania, and it's an area that is known as Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Fred Rogers um, lived right in the community and was a part of it every day. We're recording this now just about a year after the Tree of Life attack. How How is the neighborhood doing right now? Um, the neighborhood is still in mourning. Uh, it hasn't gotten past the point of uh, the reality of what has happened, and we aren't at the point of healing yet. Um, I, I know that the, the community is strong, and we will get there, but uh, these were neighbors. Uh, you know, a lot of people said that of the victims, uh, the people of Squirrel Hill and Point Breeze would not only know them, they would be related to them. And from so many, that was so very true, uh, including my own chief of staff. And the fact of the matter is it's a, it's a tight-knit community where almost everyone knew at least one or more of the families that were affected. Both in the, in the immediate aftermath of what happened and now a year later, I'm, I'm sort of curious uh, on two levels. One, what, what do you say and, and how do you say it to a community that, as you say, is still very much in mourning? And operationally, what has changed as far as the way Pittsburgh is, is managed? Have things changed within your law enforcement department with other aspects of your operation? It's a hard question to answer on both sides, but let me give it a shot. The... Um 
the thing that uh, one of the parts of advice that I was given, number of mayors called, uh, offering advice and condolences and uh, any assistance it, it, within an hour of the the news getting out. Um, one of the pieces of advice I got was from the mayor of Oakland, California, Libby Schaff. And Libby uh, experienced the ghost ship tragedy in which a, um, a nightclub that was unlicensed um, uh, caught on fire and over 30 uh, people from Oakland lost their lives. And she just said it very simply. She's, she said, be transparent, be available. Make sure that the public knows your priorities and keep saying them. And so I, I really wasn't sure what that meant, but immediately came to mind the first priority is going to be the families. So whatever decisions we make, we'll run through the filter of what do the families want. The second priority was going to be to the the people who were injured and making sure that they had anything and everything they would need to heal. The third was to the Jewish community, which was targeted, and the fourth was to the greater Pittsburgh community that would feel the trauma. And so having that as a, as a compass and basically making decisions based upon those priorities uh, became paramount in the immediate um, time right after the tragedy and then through the months and now year after October 27th. On, on a second part, and looking at how Pittsburgh has changed, I, I think people are, are more cautious. I think that there's more of a walking into a movie theater, sitting down in your seat and looking for where the closest exit is. I think that there is um, a concern that if it could happen here, it could happen anywhere, or it could happen here again. Um, but at that same time, there's this overwhelming goodness that has also taken over in Pittsburgh, and it's in random acts of kindness on a coordinated effort of reminding us how important it is to be kind. Um, you know, as we think about um, our city, we like to believe that we're a tough blue-collar town with a big heart. And I think that the way that Pittsburgh expressed itself in the aftermath of a, an event that has now become the worst act of anti-Semitism in American history, um, we've been able to show that. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on a couple of questions. You, you've called for some tighter restrictions on gun ownership uh, to your legislature, and I saw a few weeks ago that some members of the Pennsylvania State Senate unveiled a package of bills intended to reduce hate speech and the damage of hate crimes, and that included some additional reporting on college campuses and the formation of new uh, databases and so forth. Are there other things that you think need to be done that aren't being done at the policymaking level? Um, or is that even the right question to ask when it comes to trying to reduce the likelihood of, of further events like this? In states where the state legislature has created preemption laws, which limit the ability of local government to protect its citizens, I believe there needs to be a challenge on those laws themselves. Um, it was a coordinated effort that came out of the 1980s and the early 90s, supported by the gun industry, to take away the rights of local governments, which before that had had the right to create laws to protect 
um, the, the, the individual rights of its citizens. Um, what we have done in Pittsburgh is challenge the state of Pennsylvania from limiting us to do that. We, we are not banning any gun. You can have as many AR-15s as you want, but you can't use it in the city's limit, meaning you can't fire it, you can't openly carry it. When you're carrying it through the city, it needs to be in its case. You can't have a clip in it. Uh, the clip has to be separate from the gun itself. And you have to use reasonable care and caution, just like you would with anything else that could cause mass injury. Um, we believe that our law, and we also have a red flag law that would aid our local law enforcement on not having to find the perpetrator, but being able to separate that person from their weapon, whether they're going to harm themselves or harm somebody else. Um, those types of tools will be critically necessary in order to minimize the type of mass homicide that is now on a routine basis. So I think that within this country, we have overwhelming support for universal background checks. We have overwhelming support for red flag laws, and we have bipartisan support by mayors, 274 mayors from every state in the country, Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., telling our U.S. Senate, we support those initiatives. We're asking you to pass them to give us the tools to protect our people. What is the status of some of the things that you've asked for legislatively at this point? Well, the follow-up to council passing the bill and my signing the bill is now six members of council and myself are up on criminal charges and civil charges. The city is being sued and impeachment papers are being passed in the state legislature. My goodness. So sometimes when you're on the right side of history, uh, the reaction will be strong uh, to try and stop that. But at that same time, we feel confident that the legislation that we passed uh, will go probably to the Supreme Court to be determined. And in that hearing, we will argue that preemption laws should not be able to take away the ability of local government to protect their citizens. We are not being sued on any federal or constitutional issue. We are not infringing upon gun rights. We're infringing, I guess, is what the opposition would say, on the preemption law of the state of Pennsylvania. So um, we'll see where it goes, but I, I do believe that in areas where cities want to see uh, the rights of their individuals to pursuit of happiness, um, where cities will be able to create laws to, to assure that in states that want to limit that right, uh, there will be a path moving forward. If we're successful, I expect that similar legislation will happen throughout the country. So quite a bit more to come on that. Unfortunately, uh, terribly, since the Pittsburgh attack happened, we've had some similar incidents uh, in Christchurch, obviously, and in San Diego, and, and I think most recently in El Paso, why do these things keep happening? What is the origin in your mind of, of these types of attacks? Why do, we, why do they keep reoccurring? I, I can't speak directly about Tree of Life because we still have to go to court, and that's going to be a 
whole different episode that will reopen those wounds once again for the families and for the community. But what I can say and what I know is that hate speech leads to hate violence. And the more that we allow hate speech to be accepted when it is directed at other individuals' freedoms or liberties, and under the First Amendment say that there should not be any restrictions upon it, the more that we allow that to go to the inevitable end, which is hate violence, where those individuals are being targeted for who they are and in ways uh, harm is brought upon them, whether it is through uh, graffiti or breaking a window or physical violence or um, in the cases that we see around this country when someone has access to a weapon of mass destruction where mass murder occurs. There is no doubt that it begins with hate speech. And if we let it go, um, just the path of allowing anyone to say anything they want, even when it hurts another person, um, we will continue to see it manifested through hate violence. You mentioned uh, Fred Rogers having been uh, a citizen of uh, of Pittsburgh and a resident of this neighborhood. Have you seen from Pittsburghers in the last year that give you some hope and some comfort about what comes next for your city? Well, I think, you know, Fred Rogers, to paraphrase him, the most important thing you can do to see change is three most important things is to be kind, be kind, and be kind. And uh, I saw it immediately after the event. I often tell the story of uh, the event happened on Saturday morning, and on Monday morning I was with a group of police officers uh, visiting the community day school, yeshiva, and other Jewish schools to be able to talk to the children about what had happened and to let them know that when they see the policeman outside the school or inside the school, that's good because the bad man's in jail and he's not coming back, but the policeman's there to make sure that you feel safe. And then I'd have the officers talk. And as we were leaving one of the schools, a car SUV actually stopped in the middle of the road and started backing up. And I had a police detail with me and the sergeant's like watching what's going on here. And out pops like a seventh and eighth, eighth grade uh, young man. And he comes running down the street and hands me a glass vase with fresh flowers in it. And he just leaves. I'm like, Hey, what's this? And he said, that's for you. You're my neighbor. I love you. Oh. And he runs back to his car and I'm like, hold on. And I go up, and his mom's in the front seat, and the entire front seat is filled with glass vases with fresh-cut flowers. That one little thing completely changed my day. And we have the power to do that every single day. Nobody has to tell us to do that. No tragedy has to be upon us. We shouldn't wait for the darkest days in order to find the light when the light is there constantly. And I think the one thing that you can take away from the Fred Rogers example and, and see it manifested in Pittsburgh is that people did that. That morning, October 27th, in the cold, cold rain, standing out a tree of life, I looked across the street and I saw my friend Wazi Muhammad from the Islamic Center of Pittsburgh. And standing next to him was the executive board of the Islamic Center who had a meeting that morning. And I said to him, what are you doing here? And he said, we had to be here. 
That is that wonderful. is the light in darkness. That is so wonderful, and I'm sure there are so many examples like that that you that you continue to see. Mayor Peduto, thank you so much for the time. Okay, tell Andy I said hi. I will do. Thank you. Bye-bye. My thanks again to Mayor Bill Peduto and his terrific staff at the City of Pittsburgh. Thanks also to Will Davis and his team at WUTC for their production support. A reminder, if you would like to get involved with the Mayor Burke's Council Against Hate, you can sign up at any time on our website, cha.city slash against hate. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and all other major streaming services. This is The Scanner, a production of the Mayor's Council Against Hate and the American Diversity Report. Thanks for listening.